and then I went into working with football clubs directly and looking at like proper practice, due diligence, like working. Um, so then, stupidly, crazily, we bought a football club. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, you guys aren't ready. I did not find this doing my research. Wait, what? <laughs> Welcome back to the Not Quite Pod. Today we've got Kelly with us. Kelly, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself and let everyone know a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name's Kelly Gordon. Um, quite a lot of people know me from being the creative director and head of brand at Hot Octopus. Um, I'm also co-founder and owner of, well, co-owner of With Not Four, which is a creative recruitment company um, in the disability space. So yeah, lots of work where I'm from. And then I've got two boys as well, two young kids. Um, I just got married this year. So my life's been pretty hectic recently. <laughs> yeah i was doing a bit of research on you and i was like jesus does this girl ever stop like <laughs> i just couldn't believe the amount of work you get through all the things you work on i thought i was a workaholic but you met you put me to shame oh, i do love it i do love it and it's like it's our biggest time of the year at the moment in, at Hot Octopus. We're like really US based. So Black Friday is massive for us. So it's like big stressful times right now. Um, so yeah, November is a time for drinking a lot of wine after work because yeah. I am yeah. <laughs> yeah. a woman on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those who like, could treat me like a complete idiot, for those who don't know yeah. you, like tell us yeah. your story this far so like how what's got you to the position you're in today oh that's a great question um so for those that don't know me i have i've got spinal muscular atrophy i'm a full-time electric wheelchair user um i have been in an electric wheelchair since i was like 11 probably like just the time when you go from primary school to high school is when i got my first electric wheelchair um, I was always terrible at school, wasn't really interested in learning, was more interested in chat rooms and talking to old men all around the world about sex <laughs> um, and doing things I shouldn't have been doing, going down the park, getting very drunk at a young age and all that kind of teenage stuff. Um, so never interested in education, really. Uh, went to college, but again, much of the same, going out, getting drunk, having a great time. Um, and then from there, I just got my first job. And that's when I think things changed for me, like going into the world of work and figuring out that I actually do want like a career. I'm actually good at work. I think in school, they don't teach you what work no. actually is, if that makes no. sense. It's more about like learning different modules, things like that. But then once you're in the real world, there's like a lot that, that you don't know and you have to learn yourself. And then my, my parents always say like me racking up massive phone bills, talking to all kinds of people across the world was like my training for business because I can talk to anyone. Yes. <laughs> so... One way of looking <laughs> They don't regret that now, but at the time, I think they did regret that a little. Um, so, yeah, from there, really, just really got a taste for work, put myself into, like, education as an adult. Um, also, just worked my ass off, really, working in the football industry to begin with. Um, well, actually, the NHS to start with. Um, and then the football industry. I was in the football industry probably from, like, 21 to 28, 22. 29 oh, something like that I didn't that. spot that yeah How, what, what yeah. so what capacity was that 
So my first job in the football industry was a concierge, which basically, if you've like been to a fancy hotel, they have concierge quite a yeah. lot. Uh, but we had a concierge company. So what we used to do is we had like a roster of professional footballers and we'd plan their lives. So we'd do everything from like booking holidays, buying cars. Yeah, I- sourcing handbags trainers i used to have like a set of lads at one football team who were like really into their trainers really into their tech so i was always like trying to figure out how we could get the latest tech on the team coach stuff like that um and then i went into working with football clubs directly and looking at like proper practice due diligence like working Uh, my dad always worked on the agency side so we kind of teamed up a little bit there uh, we were a really good team because I'm quite good at like the lifestyle people stuff and he's good at obviously the agency and sports side. Um, so then stupidly, crazily, we bought a football club what? Um, in Tisa. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, you guys aren't ready. I did not situation. find this during my research. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So um, I feel like I want to say, 2015 I feel like since COVID years don't make sense anymore um but we brought a local club to us called Kidderminster Harriers uh I was CEO of the club for two years um and obviously that was just the general day-to-day running of a football club uh on a board of no offense quite a lot of old white men Um, and being in that space was was definitely different for me. It taught me a lot about myself. Um, and again, being in football in general, I was just having this conversation with someone earlier today, but it's a very image-driven industry. Yeah. It's a, an industry that kind of like fa- made me face a lot of battles that I thought was over in terms of like image, body image, um, the way you look when you come into a room, the way you should present yourself, the way like, you know, the information you should share as a disabled person. Um, That was all very hard for me in that time of my life. So I feel like then I started with Not For to combat that for some other people and help people on their journey to the boardroom and like really figure out like, you know, what that means to be a disabled person in business. So yeah, I feel like I've talked for ages, but that's that's me. That's <laughs> I mean, the first question I need to ask, because I'm curious, because being a football head myself, who did you work with anyone that we would know? Oh, yeah, I definitely can't say names. Ah, like, just sign NDAs. But I can say football clubs. Okay. Um, like West Bro- I, well, I'm obviously Midlands-based, yep. so like a lot of players from West Bromwich, Albion, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Birmingham City. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I've, played, I've worked with quite a lot of bigger players through agencies and stuff like that. So there are some some superstars out there, but I haven't got particularly good stories um, to tell about them, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, my claim to fame is my, uh, not to out him on here, but my cousin uh, plays for, well, used to pl- used to play for Chelsea, he's best known for playing for Chelsea, played in the Champions League final. So that's my little claim to fame. Um, I say my claim to fame, it's his claim to fame. Uh, But yeah, that's... That's insane. I mean, your claim to fame is this podcast. Yeah, so. my claim to fame is that I've been on Blue Peter. That's that's my claim to fame. Ray, <laughs> that's just <ended. laughs> but um, that's insane though that you've you've take your journey's been so if you don't mind me saying chaotic. Like it's been like it's yeah. quite a journey, and like you're not 
like I by no sense of imagination like you're not far through your career either so it's like no this is it it's like I'm 34 now and it has I think that's a great way to describe it it's been chaotic like but I think it's because I'm so eager to succeed and so eager to learn like now I'll do any course, meet any person. I'm just on it 24-7. So I feel like that's why it jumps around so much because it's just like, what's she doing today? Yeah. <laughs> but then I suppose that's like the best way to be. And I think me and yourself, we're both quite entrepreneurial. And that's the way mm-hmm. that people like that are. Like, I'm from one yeah. thing to the next. Like, it's just the way I am. But particularly, I want to come back to your point of saying that, like, it was difficult for you being a woman in a boardroom obviously, as well as that, you were also someone with a disability. So, like, yeah. what, how do you feel that's progressed? So, like, in terms of being a woman in the boardroom, I mean, now there is definitely a lot more successful, front-facing CEOs and business owners that are women. But I still think that, for, even from my perspective as a male, there's so much more to go. So, yeah, what's your, your yeah. tell us a bit more about your experience of that. I think for me, like, it was the fact, obviously, I was a woman in business, in football. I was, or I always say alternative looking, because I, I was never, like, one to, like, go in suits and dresses yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've got piercings, tattoos, which isn't normal in, in that kind of oldie-worldy football industry. Um, and then I was quite young. I was, like, 27 I think um I feel like I can't put a finger on times or ages today um but yeah I was in comparison to those guys that especially because it was such an old club with such a rich history a lot of the board some of them were in like their 60s 70s I think even close to 80s um so it's a completely different time and they just didn't know how to take me um I was very like underestimated to begin with especially because I went into it with my dad as well people sort of thought okay she's here because of that not because of her own value and it took me a long time to prove what I was actually there to do um which is to bring life into the club and bring through a new younger perspective and ultimately new younger fans you know our fans were I'd been around and and the club had been in the families for so many years. Um, We were running out of friends (laughs) because people get older, people stop coming out, you know, with COVID, with all that as well. Um, So it was like, I think that people did genuinely figure out, you know, after a while, she deserves to be respected. She's working really hard. She's the right person for this. But there was definitely that kind of doubt there at the beginning and I do think unfortunately for women in business there's that doubt there quite a lot where people you know that I hate to be hate to say things like this but I've heard this phrase so many times like she slept away to the top or she you know how did she get that position or you'd never doubt a man for something like that And this is the kind of culture that that needs to shift really and I don't think I think we're getting there we are getting you know more I don't know, progressive with the, I mean, it shouldn't even be progressive, should it really, that a gender can function the same yeah. way as another gender can function. Um, but, you know, in terms of things like uh, 
paternity leave, maternity leave, things like that, thinking that women won't do a good job if they've got kids. Like there's so many stereotypes there that need to be like broken down before there's like true equality. Um, But I do think we're making good steps. And, you know, there's some great sites. Like I follow one particularly called The Female Lead and they just post like funny women in business content, but they've got some really good valid things on there. I think especially something that resonates with me a lot is like, don't like under talk your ideas don't say i don't know if this makes sense but like do you know what i mean like don't play yourself to be down fair, i'm really guilty for that i am really yeah. guilty for does that make sense that is like my catchphrase and trust me i've pointed this out and since then i just sit there and go why do i always say that phrase but i literally will make a point and then go does that make sense yeah or like is this a really stupid question or like just playing yourself down from the start it's something that I always used to do and now I just try and stick to my guns like even today like you know especially when you work in production and creative industries you have a lot of people trying to push you you have a lot of people trying to pay for less than you're worth and for me like it's more about the talent that we represent now making sure that they're properly compensated and that they've got all the needs that they need met I think I'm better at fighting and advocating for other people than I am for myself Um, but I've just started saying I'm not apologizing for like you know I won't apologize I'll be like well this is what it is and if you don't want it then that's it basically this isn't a box ticking thing you know this isn't like i'm not going to help you with this one thing that you need right now and then you can like leave us in the future mm. it's very it's very like i say where we stand and me and emma who's my uh, co-founder at we've not for we do stick by our morals um and that's a huge part of what we do with not for like you know um with d- diversity equity and inclusion it's so important that people have got good intentions and they're not just trying to box tick and that's something we're actively like fighting against so we will interrogate these people and sometimes it loses us physical money but you know we've, we're doing this for yeah. purpose it's not just to like help people make make out like representations better we actually want to get there you know yeah, it's moving away from that tokenism thing and actually resolving the issue yeah so, like a lot of the time in the particularly in the disability space it almost feels like we're going round and round in circles because one company does a good thing but actually that good thing is just mm-hmm. because they want to tick a box rather than actually yeah fix or win an yeah. award or something like that's the thing that I've I've found out more recently is that like you know when these people bring like products out which is like accessible shoes or accessible lipstick or accessible this and that a lot of the time those products don't even come to market fully because they're too expensive to make but the reason for designing them is to win like an award um which i think is just completely wrong but i didn't even know that like i only found that out recently and it's like why can why is it when you're trying to win something or do something great you can tag disability on but then you know we can't even get into your launch event do you know what i mean (laughs) i mean to give a real world example so that actually happened to me when i first started my work career i I worked for a startup company um and it's been no secret had a a difficult time startup company but when i joined they essentially asked me to fill out a form for a local awards and they basically wanted me to put myself Mm -hmm. forward for an award as like the most like influential young apprentice of the year i can't remember what the the title was but it was essentially oh yeah. charlie's disabled he'll get he'll pull on the heartstrings making and the hilarious thing is that sort of thing your ceo or your manager or whoever's doing it 
they should be the one to fill it out because you shouldn't know that you're going to get that award. But yeah, I exactly. did the application. I did the application. <laughs> I won the award, of course, because I'm just well, well good. Done. But <laughs> be worse if you didn't win after all that. <laughs> oh, literally, it was. But that comes down to like almost using a disabled person for like the kudos to be like, oh, well done, like well done, you. Yeah, I've had that, uh, sadly, across numerous jobs and industries. It's just people don't understand. Like, it's like they want to reap the benefits without doing any of the hard work, and it just doesn't make sense. You just can't do it that way. So I want to dive into, so correct me if I'm wrong, you run three companies, or have I got that wrong? <laughs> um, so I I run Hot Octopus in terms of like I'm head of brand yep. creative and I manage the teams internally. I don't own that company, unfortunately, because <laughs> I bloody love it. Um, I run and co-own with Not4. Yep. And then Heim Group is my own company, which I just do consultancy through, really. Yep. Um, that's long game, that, con- that company. So like I do anything from that, like to consulting for other companies, doing mainstream media appearances, making jams. I literally do anything through that company. It's like a proper side hustle company. Um, and then my husband, it's so random, he's a blacksmith. So his company goes through Heim as well. Um, so he makes swords and knives. So literally, I can come on the radio, make you a knife, give you some jam. Like, honestly, it's like the biggest side hustle company in the world. <laughs> I love that, though. That's like almost like a VC because people go to me, what is it? And I'm like... To be honest, I don't fucking know. It's just a thing. <laughs> it's just, it's me. It's just a thing that we do. Yeah, exactly. But that's why you'll have success, though, because when you've got a brand that's so heavily linked to yourself, it just resonates with more people. Do you know what I mean? And your personality, rather than corporate, corporate, which I can't stand. I can't stand fucking corporate. Uh, I'm the least corporate no, person in the world. Can't stand corporate. And do you know what I really struggle with? Like I've never, I've, I've spent a very small amount of time in a management role and we're, we're bouncing around a little bit. I will, we'll, we'll streamline this a little (laughs) bit. Um, is the corporate world of like almost management being very, almost too business based. So like forget, forgetting the fact that managing, particularly managing personnel, the keys in the title there, there's a person at the end of that and shit happens and people have lives and, relatives get poorly and shit happens but people in the corporate world seem to just forget that and that's a generalization i'm not saying every manager's like that but in terms of the big wigs it's very much like no you're here to work for the company and they forget the fact that actually there's a human being at the end of that conversation it's just definitely and i just feel like shit doesn't get done as well like i'm one of these people right if i've got a task or a goal i just don't want to talk about it for an hour on a meeting i just want to do it And, like, I feel like in big corporations, you just spend more time talking than you actually do your work. So I'm I'm just, like, one of these that's like, nope, see ya, I'm going to go and do it, and then you can talk to me afterwards. You're the, you're the one, you're one of them ones that doesn't like, and to be fair, I'm the same. I don't like too many levels of, like, hierarchy of, like, things having to get yeah. signed off by one person, then signed off by another person, uh, then signed off by another person. It's just a waste of time. Waste of time. I can't deal with it. I just do it on my own. If you want me, I'm there. If you don't, then whatever uh, <laughs> but bearing in mind that like obviously you're involved in all these different projects all these different companies how do you manage your time because not very i was gonna well. say that's something i struggle <laughs> with so if you've got the magic pill let me know 
I wish, I wish. I'm trying to be more disciplined, like you say, like at the moment with like a work-life balance. Because um, I do have two kids. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned, two boys, six and th- well, he'll be six this weekend and three. So quite intense ages. Um, luckily, my three-year-old's in like preschool now, which is like a school set up. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to manage because they're both out the house from nine till 3.30, which is ideal um, for getting work done. But still, it's not enough time. Like you have... You work to do your meetings to do in the day. Your actual physical work that comes from that. The frigging reams and reams of admin that come with a child being at school. Like every day is a different dress up day or you've got to bring in this recycling or this harvest festival or like whatever. Like constant PE kit, forest school, all that crap. Um, And then, you know, I do all the cooking at home as well. So it's like managing that making sure everything's in cooking at night time and then I often go and work again at the evening um because I find like a break at like three four o'clock when the kids are back is good for me and them I was doing a course recently where I was like constantly working on a Monday and a Wednesday evening and it just you notice a change in like the kids behavior as well because they're not getting that quality time with you so that gave me major like mom guilt um so now I've tried to spend a bit more time with them but yeah then that does mean like obviously bringing the work into evenings after dinner and that's not something I like to do either but it's like the way I see it is if I work hard now get everything done now then hopefully (laughs) in the future it'll be easier to manage um but then I don't know because houses will probably be like a million pound for a one bed flat then so who knows yeah 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 i mean it's 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 the catch for me too isn't it? it's like me and gina yeah. trying to build everything together but then the the problem comes in of like one thing i'm always drilled into by my parents is like it's all well and good making money but you gotta enjoy yourself at the same time and that that's yeah. a very hard uh, hard line to toe because it, like I say, on the one hand, it's like work hard and then you rest later. But then someone else says to you, like, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And you're like, it's exactly. a good point. And because I've been, I've been so sick recently, it's really given me a new perspective. I wish I could say I've changed. I haven't. I'm, re- I'm still fighting and I'm still not changing, which is terrible. And I need to because everyone says to me, if you don't rest, your body's going to make you rest. So I've just like come off I've still got long COVID right now but I've had like pneumonia recently like three weeks ago um like it just led to everything going wrong with my body like ear infection water infection all the lot my whole body was like no more Mm -hmm. so I've been on antibiotics for like over a month now and it was really bad and I was quite scared at one point especially like with SMA my condition and lung capacity it's like the big no-no it's like you don't want to mess with that um but I do push myself too hard for sure so I think if your listeners have got the magic pill is what we should be searching for because yeah I don't think there's any right answer because I think as well with like the cost of living everything like that there's so much pressure on people to succeed as well through social media through you know the eyes on you and feeling like you're not doing enough um it's hard times. It is. It's hard times in the it world. Is. And it's so hard as well because I think there's also the conversation of mental health, having gone through issues with mental health myself and gone through anxiety mm. because of work and everything else. It's that whole thing as well. Yeah. As almost you feeling guilty when you're trying to look after yourself. So, like, for example, like one thing that helps me, it sounds really 
stereotypical young boy but like one thing that helps me manage my anxiety is making sure that like i do give my so i'm myself that time to decompress and maybe go play video games or do something that's not mm. one of my projects or my day job like i like you like yourself yeah. i'm always on the go and it's really hard to find that perfect balance mm. of maintaining a social life maintaining like a normal quote-unquote normal life but then achieving what you want to achieve because as well like i feel like there's an added pressure whenever a disability gets involved because then it's like you yeah. almost have an extra chip on your shoulder so there's almost that thing like i've got to prove a point i've got to make sure that everyone doesn't think that i fit the stereotype of i just stay at home and do nothing yeah that's true and like i think i noticed that even more now like the kids are in school. There's until I feel like I prove myself even more, and probably things that I wouldn't do if I wasn't disabled. Mm. Like you know, try and talk about work more, make it very obvious that I've got a job and yeah. you know, that I'm yeah. really into my career. And because people do expect you to be, especially when you go to the school looking like shit because it's so early in the morning and you're wearing your joggers, they expect me to be like that all day. They don't really expect me to have a job or. You know, it's sad, but true. Again, going back to stereotypes. But then I don't know why we pander to it, but I do. Yeah. I always, like, make it known that I do work, um, you know, try and come across as professionally as possible in, like, parents' evenings and stuff like that. And I shouldn't really give a damn, yeah. but I think it's just human nature. We all do it, and we all do it in different contexts. It's not just work. Like, I was just saying to Gina last night, I always have this weird thing in my head of, like, when we go out for dinner, I've got to be, like, ultimate alpha energy of, like, no, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the male in the relationship. And I'm like, why do you give a, why do you give a <laughs> fuck? Like... My husband used to be like that too when we first got together. He was like, I always want to pay the bill, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, we literally share the same money. We have a house together. Like, what's your point? I don't yeah. get it. Why do you care if they see you pay for the bill or not? It makes, like, I don't understand. But yeah, that is a thing. There's a lot of pressure on men. But it's, ju- it's well, stupid. Though. Like, I, I think mine comes, that comes from, like, obviously the whole thing of, like, the whole, there's a whole conversation around masculinity and everything else but then actually when a disability gets involved some of that gets taken mm. away because you can't do the macho stuff but then it's all ridiculous anyway because yes. no one really gives a shit I, no. I, let's be honest if there's a problem with my wheelchair I can't fix it so Gina tends to like it just it is what it is but it's just funny that we have this almost in many facets of our lives we have that whole We've got to prove a point thing. Like you said, with the career thing, it's constantly like mentioning, oh, no, I do work. I earn really, like, I earn well. I do this. I do this with my mother. Yeah. Why? No one, like, no one cares. But we feel that we have to kind of beat down the stereotype of this is what a disabled person is. Yeah, that's so true. And I do think as well, like, just talking about restaurants and stuff and, like, the way that you interact with people in general, I think that there is that, like, there's always that guard there for me, and I'm always thinking, do they think, I, like, are they underestimating mm-hmm. me? Do they think I'm stupid? Like, when it comes to, like, I don't know, something as stupid as a restaurant and, like, uh, you know, I've been here before, I know what wine I want to drink. I know, like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Just having that, like, down, just like any normal person would, but you almost feel like you've just got to be a bit more, yeah. you've just got to give a bit more conversation or be a bit more, and sometimes that's hard. It's yeah. like... On a bad day, especially like, you know, when you bring in, I don't know if you have PAs, I have PAs at home, 
and that's a whole other balancing act as well and there's a lot of life admin for disabled people. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Like it's the the constant paper. Like I'm I'm very lucky that I my I require minimal care, so it's not too bad for much. Yeah. But even in the general context, are like things like PIP PIP assessment, making sure your mobility yeah. car's up to speed, making sure serve like it's all those little things. It makes sure like oh, have I been che- has have I had a recent GP appointment? Like I was sitting there the other day, yeah. I was like. When was the last time I actually spoke to anyone relating to my disability? And I was like, whoops, should probably get on that. Whoops, my bad. But, like, yeah. it's, it's the admin that comes with it. Then there's the constant, like, having to prove yourself. And, and like, because it's funny because everyone everyone with the podcast knows that, obviously, Gina works now with Purple Goat. And, obviously, then all – so we've had situations where – Whenever I've explained what I do outside of work into the content creation, but then Gina then explains what she does in terms of her work, it's almost the automatic reaction of like, oh, do you can't get paid. Like Charlie can't get paid for what he does. Or it's the other reaction of Gina's job's got to be for a charity. It can't be for a legitimate company because it's got a disability label to it. And it's. Oh, right. Yeah. I've had that before as well. Yeah. It's wild. It's those, those perceptions that people have of like, this is why disabled people constantly feel like they have to prove themselves. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Since I, there's like, um, a story that I've, I've started to tell recently. I don't know if I should tell this Go story on. or not. Um, but basically when I was, let's say I was 21, yep. Um, I went to cast for The Apprentice. Oh, wow. And I bought to the producers of The Apprentice the idea of With Not For. It wasn't called With Not For then. It was just a similar concept. And they told me, the the producers told me, that is not a business idea, that's a charity. So it shows Mm, you how much things have changed in terms of I mean, imagine if someone said that now. They would be absolutely railed over the coals mm. for it. Hopefully, <laughs> they should be. Um, but, yeah, so that's so that was over 10 years ago, like, what, 15 years ago? No, 14, 13, something yeah. years ago. Um, and, yeah, it's just wild that, you know, if that business that I was talking about then would have had investment then, how much further along would we be, especially with the backing of like a business mogul like Alan Sugar? Um, you know, don't agree with everything he does, but mm. he's got a lot of money and a lot of influence. Imagine if those kind of conversations were happening like 15 years ago, how much further along we'd be in, in like, you know, EDI yeah. and access and inclusion and, and all that jazz. Yeah, it's go- I mean, it's crazy. It's that whole thing of like people don't want to pay attention to it till it happens to them. So like yeah, uh, or until that's the new trend. Yeah. Sadly, um, especially in marketing and creative industry, there's got to be like, you know, it's all about sustainability, yeah. um, or like being vegan or being disabled. There's always some kind of buzzword, and and I just wish that when those things were started, they'd carry on. But it's almost like a yearly thing. The subject yeah. changes, and it's like no, it, come back. As I say, it's like the why I always point out to people of like. People come don't realize that actually you able-bodied people have got a far stronger chance of becoming disabled than we have of having a eureka moment and our conditions being solved. <laughs> like 
people don't seem to grasp that. Yeah, that's so true. But then it comes down to business. So like the amount of businesses that lost investment because people didn't see the value in it because it was disability based when actually we could all end up there one day. And also you find the people that invest in it are people with, with connection to it. So like Deborah Meadon's invested in a number of companies that have got a disability connection because I think it's her sister is a wheelchair user. But it's things like that. Like, why do right. we have to have a connection point for people to get it? Like, I really don't... I don't understand no. that either. It's like, why? It, it makes no sense because even just, like, thinking from a staff uh, perspective, that you should have as many varying experiences within a mm-hmm. team as possible, whether that's different backgrounds, cultures, sexuality, whatever. You need, like, versatile and... and diverse opinion so just based on that level of getting all opinions from different people getting a widely diverse team obviously it's the right thing to do but people don't tend to twig that and i just that just baffles me it blows my mind i don't get it either it's just i don't i because the other thing that i often bring on this podcast is my new not my new fear but my new realization i had a few months ago was a lot of the disabled community it's a bit of an echo chamber so like yeah. a lot of the like content we create and the stuff we create, it's very much for disabled people, but then we're asking for change, but within the disabled community. So it's almost like I'm shouting yeah. at someone, we should put in a ramp. And they're like, yeah, I fucking know. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm also a bit sick of it as well, because like, this is me being totally candid now. I'm probably going to get canceled or whatever, but I just hate the negative side of disability. Like, Yes, we all have shit. Dis- we all have shit experiences sometimes, and like sometimes I go to walk my kids to school in the morning. There's a fucking car parked over the curb. Do you know what? With it. Yeah. I don't want to tell the world about yeah. that because then it just makes people alienated and it makes people not really yeah. understand what the real problem yeah. is. And I think, like as people, we're so well-rounded, we're so versatile, we're so like. We're our own people with our own interests and lives and opinions. When we bring it down to physical access, I feel like we just, we're limiting the conversation. And I think that's what, like you say, you you know, about the echo chamber, I think we've started to realise now we need to broaden it and we need to show true experience for people to really understand what it, not what it means to be disabled, but just like how normal we are (laughs) and how we can just we can all just fit in and we all just have normal lives and yeah i I, yeah i don't really know what else to say on it it's just like just accept us for who we are work with us respect our relationship statuses respect our family our lifestyles get to know us as people do you know what i mean it's just it's just baffling i think with the disabled community (laughs) i think my two concerns are I'd say the echo chamber element of like, we're all shouting at each other. So we're yeah. not going to get anywhere. Um, and then the other, the other <laughs> thing as well is the, this connotation that actually happens a lot more with um, stagnant. I don't know the right word for it, but stagnant conditions like myself where like, it doesn't get any worse and it doesn't get any better. It's just there. But there's this whole theory yes. that actually you could cure your disability by just working harder. And I hate that culture of like, it's so dangerous. Why aren't you, do- yeah, why aren't you so in the gym dangerous. all the time? Like, I love the gym. Like, but I'm never going to be up to some guy like, right, you need to be in the gym 90 days. A- like, it doesn't it doesn't work. And it's not realistic. No, it doesn't. 
and and that's another guilt thing these days as well because the the gym i love going to the gym i've been doing a lot of intensive physio work as mm. well like with some like standing hoist stuff like that um but i haven't been since i've been sick and that's another thing yeah. that's just playing on my mind again it's like get back to the gym and then i've got like consultants saying don't go back to the gym because it's going to put your condition back and then i'm not on any treatment for my condition at the moment either um because when i broke my hip I had like drug indi- like what do you call it contraindication, so I had to come off treatment. So I'm not on any treatment. So my whole head is just like a mess at the mix. I'm like, what should I? What treatment should I be on? Should I be exercising more? Should I be exercising less? Should I be resting? Should I be doing yoga? What the fuck am yeah. I supposed to be There's doing? There's also so much <laughs> advice out like being a fitness head myself. That like the amount of people that come up to yeah. me, like, what do I do? And I'm like, bro, just do what works for you. Like the thing is, this whole thing of like, oh, you need to do three days yoga followed by three days weight training followed by like you're just gonna go round and round in fucking circles do something that you can <laughs> consistently do and do something you enjoy is the only advice i'd ever give you enjoy, uh, ever yeah, give to anyone sure. when it comes to gym it's it's just in it's just interesting the world that we're coming to like everyone's testing each other that's what i don't like i don't know whether you feel the same it's like almost yeah. everyone's having a go at each other it's like realistically or you're not better off just helping each other. <laughs> like Exactly. And language is a big thing for me. I I don't like the language battles and the language yeah, arguments because it's very difficult for me as someone I think obviously I've been disabled from birth. I've I, I was brought up in mainstream schools. I wasn't particularly, you know, in the disabled community when I was younger mm. and there's there's pros and cons with that right but that's meant that everything I've learned about myself is being authentically about myself um so obviously I'm, I'm learning about the disabled community I'm learning about different language that people like to use but that doesn't mean that I'm going to start referring to myself in different ways and stop using the words that I'm comfortable with and I certainly don't want to argue about it no. <laughs> um, because I'm just a person at the end of the day we all make mistakes and obviously if I offend somebody I'll talk it talk it out and and get Mm. educated ultimately but when it comes to myself and my language I think we need to start respecting other people and the way that their their experience has been and and the way that you know um they'd like to be spoken to or spoken about um but there's no offense there it's just you know purely educational and purely getting to know people as individuals in my opinion i think as well stepping away from the the aspect of people knowing what to do straight off the bat so like for example like it's going to be very difficult for an individual to know what terminology you like to use off the bat first time speaking to you so they're probably going to come up to you and call you a disabled person but you don't like that word and it comes back to one of my biggest fears that i constantly bring up on this podcast which is are like when you jump down someone's throat for getting the terminology wrong or something wrong that is then the brush that everyone sees the disabled community with of like we're all jumped up and ready for a fight and actually like we've just said it could have been just that person was having a bad day but it's just about being mindful of that approach that people have but yeah i i mean i really struggle with the whole language argument i'm like because I've, I've been in, like, bars before where someone's come up to me and go, oh, yeah, we've got a, 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 a disabled toilet. Yes, you can call it a disabled toilet. It's fine. I don't yeah. give a shit what you call it. I just care that you've got one. I, 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And people get so wrapped up in it that they then don't want to have those conversations. And that's like really counterproductive. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It- so, yeah, I mean, the thing that I hate, right, is this is the what you just said bars and it just made me think. But, you know, when you go out to a bar or a club and you're just with your mates and then people just come around high-fiving you and saying, well done for being yeah, out of the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> been there, been there, done that. Although one time I didn't use it to my advantage. I actually got a couple of drinks bought for me. So there you go. Sometimes it works in your favour. That's what I mean. That's that's it. That's like making lemonade with lemons, yeah. isn't it? You just like, you got to do it. Because if you are nice to people at the end of the day, you're going to get nice things. Exactly. <laughs> so oh, like, I just I just love the, the way, of, particularly like, interacting with the drunk community. When it comes to the drunk community <laughs> and wheelchairs and disabilities, there's no filters. But then there's also... Like they the way they think just doesn't make sense. It's like, wow, you're out having a drink, and yeah. it's like, what am I meant to be doing? Am I meant to just be sat at home, or like, am I? I, I just I don't know what people expect me yeah, to be doing. Exactly, you gotta be in bed by seven. <laughs> How dare you be out? <laughs> Madness. I feel like I was the drunk community when uh, we last met, and I was buying you. What was it, baby? baby get it. Oh, do you want to know what's really fun? Do you me. know what's really funny about that? So I. So you gave, I can't remember if it was yourself or whoever gave, gave me the baby Guinness that you bought and on my, my hand spasmed. So half of the baby Guinness ended up on my lap and I was just ch- I feel like that was me. <laughs> I, I, it was, oh, the worst thing is, I don't know, particularly uh, with my spasms, they happen at the worst times. Like I've had it before. I've oh, been man. in really serious com- conversations and like my twitch happens of like, it's essentially, you know, that saying of like someone's walked over your grave, so you shiver. That happens mm. to me all the time, but it happens to me when I'm in a serious conversation. So I can feel it coming and I can't <laughs> stop it. But then I know that the person who's opposite me has no idea it's about to happen. And it is oh horrible. God. It is horrible. But there you go. Um, one thing, changing topic completely, because one thing I did want to dive into with, with, with you was Hot Octopus Obviously, you're the creative director of Hot Octopus. We've had Damien on that's very involved in that space as well. Talk to me about sex. Yeah. Like, what's, what's, what's going on in the world of sex? Oh, my God. We haven't got time for this. <laughs> um, okay. What do you want to so, know? I'm thinking where to Right. Start. Let's talk about, obviously, I've we've touched on Hot Octopus here before on the podcast. We've talked about briefly but like talk about your work being the creative director and changing the perceptions of hot octopus in the wider community and everything that's going on with hot octopus really because like i feel like from speaking to people in the uh sex toy industry it's like very much still uh oh can we talk about it can we not like it's it's interesting so how being very involved in the sort of back end of it as the company, what's that been like? And just sort of a general overview of it all, really. Yeah, defo. So, uh, like, when I came on board with Hot Octopus, like, literally, it was when I was still at the football club and I just really enjoyed writing about uh, sex <laughs> and just my own experiences. Mm-hmm. So I think what I learned from being young and interested in sex from a young age sounds bad but true um I had a lot of bad experiences 
a lot of things happen that probably scare the crap out of me now but when I was younger I didn't care um and I just wanted a place to kind of write that and vent it and hopefully help other people especially disabled people like not put themselves in those spaces like in terms of like not being contactable no one knowing where you are getting on the uh floor in your own car in a layby <laughs> when you can't get back into your wheelchair like really really silly things um so I started to write these like really honest pieces and I really enjoyed it and then I was talking to the owners more about inclusivity and like how we could kind of um get more disabled people into using sex toys or experiencing self-pleasure um and yeah I just became head of inclusivity obviously super entrepreneurial super like interested in everything business-wise and super nosy so then I ended up working in the marketing team and ultimately became like head of brand and creative so my whole vision for the brand is kind of it's all about inclusivity from every which way um our models are very different to you know maybe the models that you'd see in the mainstream especially in sex and porn um you know we're going to be launching a partnership soon which is really exciting in the uh I want to call it the porn space but it's not porn it's about reinventing porn um very excited about that um that will be launching really soon but it's all about different bodies different relationship styles different ways of doing things like there was there's like seldom conversations about different ways you can do things different relationship styles like I always say this like just because people are disabled doesn't mean that they're in a vanilla hetero relationship that's like you know um one partnered or whatever uh people are polyamorous people are in different you know different kinds of relationships people like kinky sex people like like people are just people so I think it's educating from that perspective but also then like my favorite thing to do and probably one of my favorite things I've done since I've been in this role is doing Nadex and meeting disabled people in real life and just saying okay you really want to use this toy you can't use this toy because you've just told me that won't work for you for some reason let's look at all these products and think of a way to like hack a sex toy for you and I just love it and I love the kind of the people that come up sometimes like you wouldn't expect as well like super shy people that will go around three or four times and then eventually be like I've been watching you all day can you please tell me how to use a sex toy um I just loved it and like a lot of times when I meet people at those events like I'll just send them free products because I'm just like I want you to see if it works and if it doesn't work you know these products are expensive so I don't want you to be put out and disappointed and out of pocket, you know. Um, not saying I'm going to give everyone free sex toys, by Just the way. Just below. <laughs> <laughs> but it, we do have this thing as well. Like, um, we had a campaign with Purple Goat, actually, yep. where people can use their personal health budget to yep. buy our sex toys. Uh, and if they got the claim... If, if the government wasn't happy and didn't accept the claim, then we would reimburse the cost and obviously write a letter to their... Um, I don't even know the right word. The person that was not yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we do a lot of things like that that I don't think other companies particularly do. Um, we've also got like a sexual satisfaction guarantee for disabled people. So like, for example, if you're not sure if like you can tolerate the vibration levels of our product, 
we will reimburse you or send you another product that we think will suit you better. So we're just very open-minded. Like our um, customer service department has got like an excellent rating on Trustpilot. We spend time going over things with people. We really want like people to experience pleasure. And I think that's where the difference is. You know, it's it's not about that box ticking side, is it? It's about actually this person wants to have an orgasm. Let's help them. <laughs> but it's true, like because like I've spoken about it before on here. So particularly as a male or a pe- penis yeah. owner, as I know that often the the, the sex industry uses. Um, we do. Yeah. I, I like particularly as a male, like. Sex toys is in the stereotypical sense. It's always seen as a woman's thing, so it's always seen as something that a woman would use. So, like, I've ne- as a young male, yeah. I've never considered using one because it's almost like I think yeah. it's that comes from that st- that horrible stereotype of like, oh, but if a, if a machine can do it, then I can't. Like, which is stupid. But I think as well, no one really talks about the sex toys that are available for men. Like, it's always kind of... That's so true. Females. That is so true. Yeah, so when it comes to that, that's something I completely agree with you with and believe in as well, because there's a stereotype that's attached to men and sex toys, which is if you use sex toys as a man, you're either broken and can't do your job properly, or um, you are really dirty and you're really into something really kinky and dirty and, like, it's a bit seedy. And that's something we're trying to break out of. Like, our brand is... Um, the main audience of our brand is men. We have a product called the Pulse Solo Essential, which is our first, like, 2 million sold. Um, it's a guy-brater. It's been coined as the guy-brater, but it's a high-class bloody lovely sex toy for men it's not a stroker it's not a fleshlight it's not something that's you know seen as seedy because it's got the shape of a mouth or a shape of a whatever um not saying there's anything wrong with that by the way all i'm saying is that's kind of what you think when you think of men's sex toys but this is a lovely high-end piece of kit you can literally take it in the shower you can take it the bath it works from flaccid and erect so it does really well um with people that have erectile dysfunction um but it also stimulates a different part of the penis that isn't normally stimulated through like sex um it really focuses on the frenulum which is the bit called the banjo string and it sends like an oscillation through there that it's a, a sensation you won't feel and and that's why like people love this product because it's self-care for men mm. and men should be able to wank and enjoy a nice wank with a product it doesn't just always have to be like a <laughs> hand cream and a box of tissues <laughs> type of job do you know what i mean it's <laughs> true it is very true it's like, but then i think it's just about opening that conversation with it like i say like i even talking to yourself and people in the industry like i still am figuring out what like I still feel a little bit uneasy about the whole prospect, but that I think mine, yeah. like you say, I think mine comes with that like masculinity back of the head, like oh you're broken, like you say that's probably where that comes. Yeah. From. But I think as well, it's like where to start, and as you touched on there as well, they're not the cheapest of products. They're not the cheapest of products, and also no. it's, it's not as particular. Obviously, hot octopus have a different approach. But it's not the not a sort of product that you can easily return either. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's it's a really tricky thing. But I think particularly for men, because like no one talks about it and no one knows 
what's out there, what they can use, like what different stuffs there. What like what would be your advice for like a, a particularly? Uh, we'll do this for both male and female. What would be your advice to someone who's never owned one before as a male? Where do, where the fuck do I start? Hotoctopus.com. <laughs> <laughs> What I would say is I'd try and take all your expectations out your head about what it's going to be like. It's not going to be like sex. It's purely like, unless you're using couples toys, it's purely for you. Um, You should think about like what sensations you like, what you want to feel. Like a lot of these devices as well have so many different settings in terms of vibration. Like our looks toy has got a turbo mode. Like it's super powerful. Um, So just really spend time with it i always say this whether it's like a penis owner or a vulva owner or or whatever um never have an expectation that you're like your end goal is just to orgasm because you're just not you're going to put too much pressure on it and you're not going to get what you want out of Mm -hmm. it half the time it will always catch you by surprise anyway um but yeah i think for men it's about especially like letting go stereotypes because there's a lot of men as well that won't use any anal toys because quote unquote they're seen as gay like I've heard this so many times and it's just an awful thing to say for one but two like why is that even a thing people should be able to explore whatever part of their own body that they wish Mm. to explore as long as they're not hurting anyone and not hurting themselves unless they like that um Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, so it's like with the you know with those kind of products as well uh, people with prostates can experience like intense super orgasms, but they will never touch it just because of what somebody else might think it you yeah. know makes you out to be. Yeah. I don't even get it, but um, yeah, I think just be open minded. Think about what you want to feel and just try. And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. But if it does work for you, just think about how much you're missing out on if you don't get yeah. it. Do you know yeah, I mean? it's a fair point. And I think coming on to like exploring anal and stuff like that i think the other thing as well is i think it's seen as that like it's always seen as ultra dirty right that's still the context yeah. that it's seen in whereas as you say it's like like my it's my my opinion of like everything it's like some people like mushrooms some people don't like mushrooms same fucking thing but you don't like you don't know <laughs> if you don't like like you don't know if you don't like mushrooms if you've never tried a mushroom like it's yeah well yeah yeah exactly exactly um i mean it's a weird analogy but it's like it's like when people go oh i don't like i'm surprised you don't like this and you're surprised so i'm like but that's like saying i don't like tomatoes but you like tomatoes what about a completely different person because you like it's the same thing yeah, everybody's different, aren't they, at the end of the day? And you're not going to know what you like unless you try it. That's the point. Um, and then, yeah, I think in terms of, like, vulva mm-hmm. owners um, exploring, I'd probably give the same advice, realistically. I would say for vulva owners particularly, though, it's not all about size. It's not all about penetration. Because I think for younger girls um, or vulva owners, you fall into that trap which is, okay, sex is all about penises. I get pleasure from penetration, but they they just don't think about other ways of receiving pleasure. Mm. And my first sex toy I ever bought was like a massive glass dildo. And it's like, why the fuck? Like, why? Because... <laughs> It's not. It's I not love that that was the first. Pleasure. It was like, I'm, I'm going big or going home. 
I know it's like, but that's the thing you do, especially as a young woman. I think sometimes is you do everything for like the male gaze or do everything because you think you're supposed to do a certain type of thing. It's like why so many people fake orgasms from penetration and, you know, there's that certain belief there that people should still be doing that to please their partners rather than to have their own pleasure. And so, yeah, I went and bought like a big glass steel donut. It was like, what's this even going to do for me? I don't think, I don't even think I use lube. I used it with a partner. It really hurt. What was I getting out of that? And that was my first experience of sex toys. So I'd, I'd say like for vulva owners to think about the clitoris, if they like that kind of stimulation, look for something small, look for something different that's going to give you something differently mm. than what you have with a partner. Um and think about it as your like your time. I think another thing to think about, I mean, we probably need a whole other bloody show for this, is um, partners talking about using sex toys, yeah. like whether it's together or separately, and where masturbation comes in the relationship, where watching porn or online content comes. Like there's a lot of discussions to be had around all that kind of stuff, and it all comes down to like communication, you know. I think the other thing as well is I think there's an element still of shame of stuff like that, like almost like yeah. you have to have very good communication with your partner to almost be able to entertain that the idea of that conversation, let alone having that conversation. And it's, yeah. it's really interesting because then you sit there and you think, if that's your long-term partner, sure, you should be able to be like, actually, can I ask you something? <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be a big thing. I think this is why things break down so much, you know, in life between people is because we don't have open conversations quite a lot of the time. We are worried so much, I think, even more in these generations now about shame mm. uh, and about how you're perceived by other people. Um, but, like, imagine just living with your partner and not having to wank for your whole entire marriage or life or whatever mm. just because you can't have that conversation it's it's way worse yeah. than <laughs> the conversation <laughs> also like i think as well people build it up in their heads so like it's almost like yes i know and I, I say this as well i'm not saying that i'm all perfect there's certainly things that i need to get better at but like people build it up in their heads and also like it might even be a conversation of like you say it to your partner and she's like or he is like Thank God someone said it. Like now it opens up the door and the yeah. whole conversation becomes easier. But it's, it's really. Yeah, or like, oh, so cool. Why don't we do it together? Yeah. I'd love to watch you do that. Yeah. Like mutual masturbation's like incredible. And if more people were open to it, there'd be so much more sexual pleasure anyway because people would learn from each other how they like to be touched, how they, you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd see it in action, you'd understand. It's educational. Yeah. Let's Completely say. agree. And like I said, it's just trying <laughs> different things. Like, yeah, it's just trying. Yeah. I'm intrigued as well. When people find out what, what like, what hot octopus is and what you do for them, is there anyone that you kind of get, like, a raised eyebrow from? Of like, oh, my God, that's a weird industry to work in. All the time, all the time. And you know what? Sometimes I, it's quite bad. But like, for example, if Mason, like my eldest son's teacher said, oh, what do you do for mm. work? One, I feel like you wouldn't ask every other parent that anyway. So that's another whole subject entirely. Um, but two, uh, I sometimes would say I work in e-commerce because I do work in yeah. e-commerce, but I'm not telling you what industry because I don't you know, I don't want you to judge me in that way. But also, why should I feel judged? That's the other thing. Um, you know, the sex industry is booming. The sex industry is probably bigger 
than it ever has been um in terms of the quality like you know the products that are out there the quality of products that are out there you know um sites content sites only fans yeah. things like that and and people that are actually able to work i mean i know there's some some issues with you know working safely things like that things like uh, restrictions online but you know it's a it's a nif- it's a different time uh, and i'm really proud to be part of that kind of revolution i guess uh, so I don't know why I actually don't tell everyone, but definitely when I do tell people, especially when I'm interviewing PAs, because at my house, like right now, there's a whole box of bondage in the corner over there. And they probably <laughs> think like, what the hell is that for? <laughs> I look, that's just me on a Friday. Um, yeah, it's always like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always like, you know, um, oh, this is my job. This is the industry I work in. And they're like, cool. Yeah. Most of the time, some people are like laugh that aren't as, you know, out outgoing yeah. or whatever but the majority of the time is that's such a cool job um and like a lot of my pas have helped me on photo shoots film shoots all kinds so they love it they get to see hot naked people that's fair <laughs> enough um one thing i did want to ask obviously i know your your kids are fairly young but like yeah working in that industry in terms of like I don't know how to phrase this question but like when would you open the discussion of like this is what mum does for work like that's difficult isn't it yeah um I feel like I do want them to be I mean even at like such young ages I didn't realize until I worked in this industry and and spoke to like sex educators Mm -hmm. and people um about sex and like how the brain develops and stuff that that kids actually start thinking about like not masturbation in the way that adults do but like enjoying different feelings think about you know, that kind of thing from like the age of four and it's wild. Um, so like, even now I'm like, if my kids either want to explore something or they, you know, they're having, you know, exploring their bodies, I'll say that's for you. That's for private. So I'm very like set, like open in Mm. the way of like, I like to keep that dialogue open. Um, and I feel like I want them to always be able to come to me with any questions, but it is ultimately, you know, their private time. And I always make sure that that like their privacy and boundaries are respected. I think in terms of my career, I'm probably going to go down the same way. If they have any questions, I try and give them like logical open answers. Um, I mean, there are sometimes sex toys lying around, bondage things lying around, like I said, and they might just be like, oh, what's that? And pick up like a shiny blue handcuff or something because it looked really yeah. cool. Um, and I'll be like, oh, that's for mummy's work. Put it down, put it down. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. fine. But there is going to be a stage of, okay, well, why is that for your work? And why can't I have it? But we haven't got yeah, there yet. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to cross that bridge when I'm it not, comes. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't <laughs> sure whether you've even considered it. It was more like, I wonder like how that conversation would go of being like, this is what mum does. Because <laughs> I must have yeah, it's difficult, replaying it? it as mine. If my mum turned around and was like, yeah, I do this for a living. I'd be like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's a thing though. I do reckon over like... The next few years, there's going to be a lot of this talk going around because obviously, like, there are so many mums now that are creating online content that are, you know, doing great things for themselves and they do have families and it's like, how does that play? You know, how do we normalise that and how do we normalise different types of careers? And that's something I'm fascinated in. So I'd definitely be, you know, around for those conversations because... 
I don't think there's a right answer. No, and I think it touches on like one of the last points I wanted to bring up with you, which is like educating pe- young people about sex, just in general. Because like we were talking about mm. it the other day, and like my sex education was shit. It was shit. Yeah. Like it was like this is how you put a condom on. Don't. This is how the biology works. This is how a baby happens. Yeah. And that's it. And it's like you taught me fuck all. <laughs> like, yeah. How how would you go about changing that and making that a lot more accessible, but also just a lot more about the actual topic rather than everyone? Like it's pretty self-explanatory how the biology works, guys. Like it's not rocket science. Yeah. I think it would be like a focus on pleasure rather than the act of making a baby. Um, I think when you're focusing on pleasure as well, like that kind of baby making side often falls off the table because you're focusing on other parts of the body as well. Obviously we need to be safe. We do need to educate around consent, uh, around safety in terms of like protection, but also in terms of like physical safety, like I was mentioning earlier. Um, I just think we need to discuss, like, okay, I think porn is, like, porn's great and porn's terrible Um, (laughs) because it gives such an unrealistic portrayal of what sex Mm -hmm. is. So you get a lot of uh, youngsters turn into porn for sex education because the sex education in schools is so lacking. Um, Yeah, exactly. And you end up being really into i mean not in all cases but there's a a lot of reported uh cases of people being more interested in like choking Mm. violent like violent porn to be able to fully get off and you know that's a complete thing you know in itself that's fine when you you're following the proper practice and you've got the consent and you look you know you're you're doing everything you need to do in terms of aftercare all that kind of stuff but when it's isolated and that's the only way you can get off as a young boy it's also, I mean, I'm not just saying boys, but, you know, yeah. it's also then for your partner to take that and then make that something that they like. And I just don't think it's always about both people's pleasure. I think it's about what we see, how we replicate that. And there's no conversation to be had about about that pleasure that comes for both partners. Like sex should be pleasurable. Masturbation should be pleasurable. Um, I think we just really need to take it back to basics and understand all those things and and literally encourage people to be open and talk about it because like you said before there's so much shame tied to it I can't see um you know especially when I was at school you could never talk openly about stuff like that it was always a race to who would lose their virginity first or um you know who'd done what with who and that never ends well That ends in bad situations and trauma. For me, anyway. It's completely right. I always used to joke, like, when I was in school, saying, like, one night stands would never work for me because I'd need a fucking hand, need to hand her a handbook before we even started. Like, this is what I can do. This (laughs) is what I can't do. And I think, yeah, it is just this whole thing of opening the conversation because, as well, I think then the the journey gets so much easier. Like, if, for example, like, playing a playing it in a disabled person's context of like particularly when i was in school i was always seen as like for me it was like um i i wasn't i wasn't not liked but in terms of the the intimacy side of thing and stuff like that it wasn't on the table for me because there was an additional layer that i needed to figure out whereas actually if communication was better people just would have realized 
I do shit a little bit differently. That's the end of the conversation. It's not a big thing. And like, yeah, it all comes down to, well, I think everything we spoke about in this podcast comes down to communication, whether it's come, yes, who would have thought yeah. it? Sex toys and good business management. All links together. There you go. <laughs> I know. There we go. There we go. Just talk. That's why I bloody talk so much. <laughs> uh, oh, just finishing off, I just wanted to hit you with the last question, which I ask every guest, which is what's one piece of politically <laughs> correctness that you really strongly agree with or disagree with? Okay. Well, I feel like based on our whole conversation, let's just say... I wish more people would talk about things and I wish we could get rid of shame because if we could get rid of shame, then we'd all be a lot happier to express ourselves. We'd all be our true authentic selves to the world and wouldn't that be a lovely place to be? I completely agree. <laughs> like, and also I think it all comes back to what we just spoke about, like communication and also understanding of each other. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, there we Just go. Job done. The world solved. Yeah, all, all the problems. problems like, <laughs> yep, everything's fine. The, uh, what's it? The, the cost of living crisis is gone. Everything's fine. Oh, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. Dear. <laughs> Just before we finish off, where can people find you if they want to follow you on what you're up to or the projects you work on? Where can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I don't really use Twitter anymore, but most of uh, TikTok sometimes, but it's mainly cooking videos. Um, Miss Kelgee, so M S K E L G E E, but you'll probably tag that yep. anyway. Um, my website for my company, With Not Four, is withnot4.co.uk, or you can find us on Instagram at with not, uh, WNF Creative, sorry. And then hotoctopus.com is where you can get all the goods in terms of sex toys. And we are on Instagram under Hot Octopus as well. But all these links are like in my bio and Linktree, so you'll be able to explore fully when you find me. <laughs> and I'll put them all below as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Not Quite Podcast. Please make sure you follow us on TikTok and Instagram to get regular updates about the podcast.